commenting on the thousands of letters that they had received in lieu of uh, Santa Claus. Only one contained a note of thanks out of the thousands that they got. If gratefulness is an indicator of good spiritual health, then such a ratio does not bode well for the human race, does it? The Gospels give a story that perhaps mirrors the uh, percentage of population that's thankful. Uh, We see evidence of a kind of thankful quotient of one-tenth in the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's a story that most of you are familiar with, but it says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Notice what Jesus said in verse 17. We're not ten cleansed? Uh, Didn't I heal all of them? Wasn't I involved in the lives of all ten of these? How come only one came back? Only one expressed thanks out of ten. Did not all ten have the opportunity? Were these deaf mutes? No. Then why didn't they? The heart of the one was distinguished from the other nine. By his faith, and that faith was expressed in his thankfulness, and he was well as a result. One way faith is measured is by our level of thanksgiving. One way faith is measured is by our level of thanksgiving. Well, why is that? Well, maybe thanksgiving is a way of acknowledging God's presence in our lives. And that's one of the kind of minimum requirements or minimum definitions of faith. We believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, it tells us in Hebrews. It begs the question, what if we failed to see God's activity in our lives? I mean, what if God was doing stuff all around us And we missed it. What if all that time in which we complained about God being silent, complained about God not answering my prayers in the affirmative, God not being there, God failing us, God being distant, and he was there all the time, and we simply did not recognize him. Henry Ward Beecher said this, If one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. 
but let me take a magnet and sweep through it, and it would draw to itself the most invisible particles. The unthankful heart, like my finger in the sand, discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find the heavenly blessings. You know, God does not seem to go easy on an ungrateful heart. The Bible often speaks of characteristics of those who walk away from God, deny God, run from God. Listen to this list, by the way, that you don't want to be in. In 2 Timothy 3, 2, it says, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. Unholy, ungrateful, smack dab in the middle of that list. And then Romans one twenty one. for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Not giving thanks is one of the characteristics of a darkened heart. Wow. Philip Yancey said, it's a terrible thing to be grateful and have no one to thank. To be awed and have no one to worship. Thankfulness is an energy boost to our worship. It's to pump through the life of the believer like the very blood in our body. It's to be a regular part of the corporate worship experience, much like in the Old Testament. They had specific people who were to handle the thanks offering. I like this. It it was so important. It was certain people's job to do this. It, It reminded everybody else, given the special task of caring for the thanks, that was to be a part of worship. It seems that God values highly thankfulness. It's a part of worship. It's a part of having spiritual passion. And what is it that causes us to focus on how others have disappointed us instead of how God has blessed us? What is it that causes us to cut other people down instead of choosing to see God's work in their lives? What is that? Perhaps many folks want to devise a God that they can control, a God in their own image. I mean, God was there when my prayers were answered, right? God was there. God was there when I was healed, right? God was there when the money came in. God was there when I got the job. But here's a dose of reality. God was there in the divorce. God was there when you got fired. God was there when you ran out of money. God was there when you lost the house. God was there all along. The single thought that God is present in our pain 
is really a confession because it relinquishes control. It realizes that we are under the sovereignty of God, and I humble myself under this powerful God and thank him for his work, even in the midst of the pain. Recognizing God in every scene of my life is a way to acknowledge that he's at work, even if it's not readily apparent See, a thankful heart is akin to contentment. Relinquishes control to God because we recognize him as sovereign in our lives. See, the opposite of that is having a demanding spirit, controlling others in God. And it's really a kind of prideful arrogance that one has when they operate like this. It's an expression, really, of making an idol. And you know what your idol is? Self. Comfort. But thankfulness is the opposite into that. It's an expression of, of humility. It's a recognition of God's presence that, that I can be content even in the painful times. See, circumstances do not have to align in my favor in order for me to be thankful. And here's, to say it simplistically, we choose to be thankful. It's not like, okay, my life runs along, and then when I'm really happy, okay, then I'm thankful. When things align with the way I want, then I'm thankful. No, it's along the entire continuum. I mean, how can you view it any other way when you read verses like this? Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. What's the extent of our thanks? Always. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God, the Father. Or consider 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then we read in Hebrews 13, 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. I mean, the, the extent of this is the entire continuum of life. We can give thanks. Boy, this has got to be, isn't it, for, for any of us, it's a daily discipline, Right? It's a purposeful frame of mind. It's a deliberate action that we have to practice because, let's face it, what comes easy is recognizing what goes wrong. <laughs> right? Right? I have redone every room in our house. Every room has been redone from floor to ceiling. And you know what I notice whenever I go throughout every one of those rooms? All my mistakes. You go in the hallway, and I see as soon as you walk in, there is a little bump there where I didn't do the drywall right. Every time I go in that hallway, I notice it. I'm like, man, what is that about us as human beings? That's the stuff. Most of it looks okay, but I focus in on that one thing. What is that about us as humans? God gives us a big picture. 
We see him at work. We see he's a good God. We see all these blessings. And man, we're just to just be in awe of that. Be thankful. It's a daily discipline. Perhaps it just takes daily listing the items that I'm thankful for. Who we are in Christ and, and maybe reading through the Psalms and praying that back to God. The point is it doesn't happen by osmosis. I'm not to do it just when I feel like giving thanks. You say, well, shouldn't you be sincere about it? Yes. And my sincerity matches reality when I recognize that God is at work even when my feelings aren't there. It's no less sincere when maybe in the midst of the trouble I'm recognizing, you know what, God? You're here. And that has a calming influence to have that grateful spirit even in the midst of when things go wrong. We have to practice this thankfulness at all times. H.W. Westermeyer said, The pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving. They were disciplined. Deliberate to give thanks to God. I can't think of a better way if your Christian life is a drudgery, if it's just been so difficult to just kind of get things kick started. Try getting out of the spiritual rut by practicing the discipline of being thankful. It's a surefire way to reignite your passion for God. Begin to recount. All the ways, maybe start with Ephesians 1, of all the blessings you have in Christ. You ever done that? Read, just read Ephesians 1, 3 through 11. Begin to see God has chosen me. He's ordained me. He foreknew, predestined me. He sealed me. All these things that I get just from being in Christ. Those are true no matter what you feel like. Those are true no matter what the circumstances are when you're in Christ. And as you practice these things, your heart begins to fill up. Your spiritual tank starts rising. Recount loved ones in your life. Recount your job, your home. Begin to thank them. One writer, in an attempt to kind of kickstart being thankful, started off with this. He said, I'm to be thankful for Uh, husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house. They usually make them big enough to call in professionals. Uh, I'm thankful for the bathtub, the one place the family allows mom some time to herself. I'm thankful for children who put away their things and clean up after themselves. They're such a joy, you hate to see them go home to their own parents. I'm thankful for gardening. It's a relief to deal with dirt outside the house for a change. I'm thankful for teenagers. They give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. And I'm thankful for smoke alarms. They let you know when the turkey's done. You know, being thankful has fallen on hard times today. Even the holiday of Thanksgiving has been revised. You know, there are plenty of myths around about Thanksgiving, that they become repeated so often that we don't even bother to check whether they're factual or not. I mean, if it fits my present worldview or political perspective, it has to be true, right? 
Take, for instance, one story that is circulated and promoted by an MTV video that the first Thanksgiving originated from the pilgrims celebrating a massacre of Indians, and it had nothing to do with God or religion. Now, I watch MTV several hours a day, so that's how I know these things. <laughs> Such a narrative really fits nicely into the new progressive, you know, PC wave in education. The authoritative source, by the way, for this is a claim uh, from William Newell, a self-described former chairman of the anthropology department at the University of Connecticut. And when somebody checked out the facts, nobody knew who William Newell was at the University of Connecticut. And yet it just keeps multiplying the story. Isn't it a blood sport today to assassinate the character of the pilgrims or our early founders? Um, I mean, they, they fit the bullseye rather nicely for people. I mean, whatever dirt you can find on the pilgrims, and nobody was perfect, we can find something on everybody, but whatever dirt you can find doesn't change the real story that after years of suffering religious persecution in Europe, they came here to establish a colony to express religious freedom. And life was hard for that first batch that came over, right? I mean, out of 130, or excuse me, out of 103 pilgrims, 51 died just in the first winter. And after the first harvest was completed, Governor William Bradford proclaimed a, a day of thanksgiving and prayer, and the custom prevailed in New England and eventually became a national holiday. And various U.S. presidents have also given thanksgiving proclamations. And if such proclamations are a reflection of the people of our nation, then I want you to notice the recognition of God, the need for humility. Consider these words from George Washington. Whereas it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. I mean, listen to this. For, for, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have enjoyed, and also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. When is the last time you have heard any national leader get up and ask God that he forgive us for our transgressions? Abraham Lincoln. Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November next as a day which I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens wherever 
they may then be as a day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, the beneficent creator and ruler of the universe. And I do further recommend to my fellow citizens aforesaid that on that occasion they do reverently humble themselves in the dust. Listen to this. Humble themselves in the dust. And from thence offer up penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land which it has pleased him to assign as a dwelling place for ourselves and for our posterity throughout all generations. Specific mention of God, specific mentioning of our, of our transgressions and his sovereignty in our lives. And then we have the present administration issued a 2015 Thanksgiving proclamation that read in part, in the same spirit of togetherness and thanksgiving that inspired the pilgrims and the Wampanoag, we pay tribute to people of every background and belief who contribute to their own unique ways to our country's story. Each of us bring our own traditions, cultures, and recipes to this quintessential American holiday, whether around dinner tables and soup kitchens or at a home cheering for our favorite sports teams. We are all united in, in appreciation of the bounty of our nation. Let us express our gratitude by welcoming others to our celebrations and recognize those who volunteer today to ensure a dinner is possible for those who might have gone without. One writer, Samantha Strayer, noted, we've gone from recognizing God to recognizing volunteers, from submitting to God to submitting to people from different backgrounds and traditions, and from accepting God's authority to accepting recipes. Soup kitchens, sports teams, the ineloquent pandering to superficial reasoning and cheap emotions is cringe-inducing. Authentic thanksgiving requires sacrifice, a relinquishing of both pride and an inordinate focus on the self. The president's emphasis on others is merely a veneer covering the lie that we are at the center and makers of all good things. Perhaps harsh words, but I read that only to point not at one man, but to point to us as a people. Could it be that the decline in presidential proclamations is a reflection of people who have forgotten God, who have shoved him to the edges of irrelevance. Any notion of a religious people thanking God and, and codifying those thanks with such proclamations is unacceptable to worldviews that do not see God as a part of history. And we're so reticent to even say his name for fear of offending. And giving thanks to God is unacceptable to hearts that are simply too busy or just plain too independent to acknowledge him. And what strikes me of these earlier proclamations is the boldness, is the specificity of God and his work in our lives and of our need for confession and such proclamations seem to have no place in our culture today. Does it say something about us? You see, no matter where our leaders go, 
May we not clamor like the children of Israel for an idol, because see, when their leader left and went up on a mount, they were left with a leader, you might say, where the tail was wagging the dog. And they wanted to make some idols, and Aaron came right along for the ride. My point is, no matter where our leaders go, may we not clamor as the children of Israel for our own idols, but instead learn to thank God often. I suggest we make a place for him in our lives. That we deliberately and daily take time You see, every home that's represented here could do this, could we not? Recognize him daily in our lives. Just maybe have the conversation with your spouse. How can, how can God be more welcome in this home? How can we exhibit a, a thankfulness and see what God does as a result?